I'm a filmmaker. I'm a, I don't use the word political activist because I, I think it's redundant. If I say that if I'm a citizen of a democracy, it means automatically I'm a political activist. I have to be. All of us have to be. If we're not active, it ceases to be a democracy. Hey, anything interesting in the news lately? I'm Mark Laird Young, and this is Scan, a podcast about orcas, oceans, and the environment for fans of fact-based reality and reality-based facts. And for the last few episodes, we've been focusing on the world's biggest threat to orcas, oceans, the environment, and facts, America's lame duck president. Because we switched platforms and providers this summer, some of our older episodes are no longer available. So this seemed like a perfect time to rerun an interview I did years ago at the Toronto International Film Festival with one of the most influential figures in American politics, Michael Moore. Now, this wasn't a scan interview. Michael Moore was promoting his film, Capitalism, A Love Story. His publicist canceled my interview because some of his other interviews ran long, but then Moore saw me waiting in the hallway and asked if I was okay joining him for lunch and doing our interview over pizza. The pizza was good, the conversation was better, and I'm happy to share the conversation with you here. As always, Scanit is brought to you by our pod at patreon.com. So if you like what we're doing, please join our pod and sponsor us on patreon.com. You can also visit our site, scanna.org, and make one-time donations via Ko-fi. Or feel free to buy my books about orcas or my books that aren't about orcas. Scan is also brought to you by Orca Publishing, publishers of my three new books about whales for younger readers. Orcas of the Sailor Sea, that's a beautiful picture book. Big Whale, Small World, that's for babies. And Orcas Everywhere, which just won the City of Victoria's Children's Book Prize. You can find out more about the books and eBooks and audio versions at orcaseverywhere.com or scanna.org. And they are all for sale wherever you buy books or audiobooks or ebooks. We're also doing a new podcast, Orca Bites, where we share words of wisdom from Scanna guests like Wade Davis, David Suzuki, Alexandra Morton, and more. And if you check out Orca Bites, we're inviting you to share your stories of the first time you saw a whale. And now, here's Michael Moore in a flashback episode where we're talking about capitalism. A love story. A love story that's pretty much defining our world today. It's really an honor to meet you. Thank you so much. Would you like a slice of pizza? Sure, that'll be great. Thank you. It's good. It's healthy. It's chicken. It's well wheat. Okay. Go fat cheese. Wow. Well, yeah. Thank you. Getting a little cold. Um. So you're one of the few people on the planet who just consistently inspires me. Oh, thank you for saying that. Thank you. No, it means a lot to hear that because I take so much abuse. Saying when you say something nice, I really appreciate it. Well, I was just wondering who who inspires you. What inspires you now? Well, that's a good question.
You mean other than Naomi, Naomi Klein? Mm-hmm. Well, since Loomis, I, you know. I've been really inspired since November 4th. That really lifted my spirits. I went through eight years of, of hell. I went through it personally, and the country went through it, and the world went through it. So, <clears throat> I'm, um, I remain hopeful with Obama in the White House. Okay. In spite of how difficult it's become to be hopeful. Yeah. So, um, I'm inspired by a lot of things. I see a lot of good that's going on. You know? I met a bunch of nickel miners from Sudbury last night. We're on strike. Because the company, even though it's making profits in the billions, is trying to cut back on their pension. And they're just not going to take it. You know, to go out on strike during this economic time? A pretty brave thing to do. So, I'm continually inspired by a lot of things, a lot of people. Were you at all inspired by the take on this when you mentioned Naomi Klein? Because that was the only movie that I could think of that that even came close to going into this territory. I've not seen that movie, um, sadly. Um, but I've been meaning to see it. I just think that there are good people like her who are saying and doing good things, good, good, good work. And the more, the better. <laughs> now I've got pizza, too. Sorry. That's okay. Where do you feel that you have the most impact now as a filmmaker? Did you feel you have more, was there more impact in doing, say, TV Nation, The Awful Truth, or in the blogs, or in being an activist like you were when you, you were going out and raising, and um, I just finished watching Slacker Uprising. Like, where do you feel you're having the most political impact? Hmm. Well, <clears throat> a number of ways to answer that. I'm a writer. My filmmaking comes from my writing. All good films are there because it's, they've got a good story. There's a good story to be told. So I focus a lot on the writing. Um, I, um, I'm a filmmaker. I'm a, I don't use the word political activist because I, I think it's redundant. If I say that if I'm a citizen of a democracy, it means automatically I'm a political activist. I have to be. All of us have to be. If we're not active, it ceases to be a democracy. So, um, but I love the movies. Maybe that's a selfish way to look at it. Maybe television has more impact. But I don't think so. I think the movies do. TV may reach more people, but it's so, you know, in the moment and then it's gone. <clears throat> movies, I think, last longer. Movies require active participation. Television is a passive activity. You're sitting there on the couch, you're doing other things, you know, it's there, it's kind of noise in the room. Okay. Movies, you have to leave the house, you gotta get a babysitter, you gotta spend money. You gotta commit. You gotta commit. Then you gotta go sit in the dark room with a bunch of strangers. And you gotta have a communal experience that television doesn't give you. So 
the chance of action, political action happening out of the movie theater, out of those who see it in the theater, is far greater than perhaps those who see it at home. Do you think the movies also provoke more conversation? Because when you make a movie, you're it's not just that you do the regular press junket, you become, you've been becoming part of the national dialogue in the U.S. Mm-hmm. on pretty much every movie you've done. Yes. Yes, I believe that's true. I believe to be on TV now is to be to have a show on one of 200 channels. Okay. It's almost like being at the Toronto Film Festival, the movie. I mean, you're one movie out of 335 movies. And that's really hard, especially for unknown filmmakers, to come here and have their head come up above the water. You know what I mean by that? Yeah. I mean, I work like I read. I pick up the the Globe and Mail every morning. A star. They're so focused on the celebrities, and the big names, and there's so many brilliant little films that come to these festivals. And um, I'm afraid, I fear they get lost in all the noise. Hey, do you know if this film's going to be in the Vancouver Film Festival? I'm not sure. I haven't looked into Vancouver Film My head's been so focused on Toronto that I haven't yeah. checked out yet. But that's where you're from, right? Yeah, from Vancouver. Why, do you have a connection to Vancouver? or just? No, but I mean, I remember with Roger and me, I was here, and then I went out there right away. Okay. Like one, two. Well, are you, you're off to Detroit next, aren't you? Just yeah. Like well, okay. Pittsburgh tonight. Wow. That's a whirlwind. Yeah. Um... What? It's funny. I haven't written down questions for interviews in years, but for you, I really wanted to. Um, But what do you hope people are going to come away with from this? Like when you, when people see this movie, what do you hope the reaction is going to be? What do you look for? A number of things. I hope that the average American will quit thinking that they're going to. achieve the American dream that they too will be rich someday that's just not going to happen okay um, I hope that people get involved become active join an organization uh, run for office themselves any of a number of things um, at the very least quit participating in the system don't buy shares of stock Put your money in a credit union. Only use credit cards where you have to pay at the end of the month. You know? Don't put your pension in the stock market, for Christ's sake. You know? <clears throat> Things yep. like that. How do you deal with the anger that you inspire from some people? Because it kind of blows my mind. The anger toward the issue, or no, it just um, toward me. The general, oh. I mean, the fact that like Fox News thinks you're public enemy number one, um, and the fact that lots of people seem to watch Fox News, and I mean, yeah. I'm watching the town halls. First time I saw Fox News, I never see, I saw Colbert before I saw Fox News, and then I saw Fox News and thought they were kind of like him. Uh, so it stuns me, like watching the town halls and when people are bringing guns and people were arrested for wearing nasty t-shirts to see George Bush, but people are okay bringing automatic weapons to see Obama. How do you deal with that level of crazy? I have a lot of security. 
They're out in the hall right now. Okay. Does it ever scare you? Like, do you ever... You know, I've lived a good life. I've done, I've accomplished things I wanted. I never thought I'd be able to do. I raised a good kid. So I don't think too much about them. Just keep moving on. Well, there was an interesting comment that I, I read a few places that you made this movie as if it was your last film. Mm-hmm. Was that because of the subject matter? Like, what, what made this one particularly special like that? I just got the thing. It's been 20 years since I made Roger and me. I'm still talking about General Motors. I get, now it's bankrupt. The thing, the very thing I warned about. Yeah. You know, I, I told people there weren't weapons of mass destruction. We shouldn't win to Iraq. Yeah. And I go back over all these movies, these things I've done where um, it feels like I'm beating my head against the wall. You know, um, at some point I just get tired of it. So people aren't going to join me and do it. If, if, if you Google public enemy number one in Fox News and it's always my picture, yeah. then something's wrong with that picture. Okay. Now, when I was watching this, I couldn't, I, I found myself picturing the Larry King interview. You know, where it's like Larry King, like, Michael, are you a socialist? Like, what is your, how would you define your politics now? What did I tell Larry? I forgot. No, I, I just imagined that. I have no idea if you've already answered oh, that question to him. Oh, you mean when I go on? Yeah, yeah when he, it's just. Oh, wait. Are you a socialist? Yeah. I probably will just say I'm, um, well, I'm heterosexual. Nice. Yeah, I'm overweight. I blue hair, blue eyes and brown hair. I don't know what I would say um, to that because I don't belong to any ideology really. I'm a filmmaker. Yeah. My job is to take a look at what, what you know what's going on to make movies about it. Now, do you define yourself more as a film as a filmmaker or as a writer? You just said you don't really define. I'm a writer. I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a filmmaker. Yeah, that's what I do. Well, one of the things that hit me watching this was that, from a Canadian perspective, there's nothing that you're saying that's outrageous or radical like my grade 10 socialist teachers could have said some of that stuff and it would be fine but in America it feels like this is there are going to be people who practically accuse you of treason That's or correct. not practically um, they will okay because they think it's written in the constitution we're a capitalist country and how dare you speak against it that fascinated me they, they, so that is the attitude I mean I know that's the attitude but yeah. that's the mindset you're running into mm-hmm. I'm ready. The first Americans will see it in about five hours. Wow. As I sit here talking to you, no Americans have seen this movie. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, how do you expect people are going to react? I mean, do you have any sense that this will shock people there? That this will upset or outrage? Or Now more than ever, I think people are willing to have that discussion. Thanks to Joe the Plumber. Joe the plumber got Obama to say that he, Obama, believed in spreading the wealth. Okay. Essentially, that's socialism. When they went all nuts on Obama, they weren't going nuts for any. For, they were they were going nuts for a reason, because they knew that that's what he believed. So, <clears throat> I think. This movie will make some people feel crazy, but I think the majority now are open to thinking about, hey, maybe there's something wrong here with the system we have. What are you proudest of in terms of the work that you've done? Is there one piece that stands out? 
Hmm. I'm probably proudest of finding the courage on that Oscar stage to give up my moment, you know, and Kanye West myself. That's <laughs> a pretty amazing moment. Um, how do you keep your sense of humor? Oh, yeah, I have to. That's the only way you deal with the despair. You know, when you grow up in an Irish household, Irish-American household, you know, humor is a very important. Because Irish, you know, we look at things, the world, in a pretty dark way. So it leads too many of us to drink. It led me to, you know, relying on my sense of humor. If someone said you could turn around tomorrow and change the world, what would you want to do? What would your mission be your free HBO for everybody <laughs> number one it's like the only good TV and it costs money it should be free for everybody nice <laughs> uh, could you talk a little bit about your relationship to Canada because I know that that's how one of your series got funded or was it both or just the one what's that my, your relationship with, with Canada because I mean it's fascinating my grandfather was Canadian okay um well, I just, you know, I wish more Americans would look north and see that there are some things we can learn from you, you know, that we might be better off if we were more Canadian-like in some ways. Okay. You know, not the boring, dull stuff. <laughs> okay. You know what I mean? But there's something about your core, your values, the way you're wired. Yeah. You believe you have, that you're your brother's keeper that you have a responsibility. You exist as a part of a whole. If one of you gets sick, it means that if that's not taken care of, then we all sort of suffer a bit. I think that's pretty profound. Do you have any sense of why or how that happened, where that schism comes from? I can't put my finger on it, other than to say, keep yourself on the grandfather. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> and maybe sometimes... The greatest change can happen that quickly, and maybe with just one person being the spark. Well, you yeah. know, I'm assuming you know that Tommy Douglas was voted the greatest Canadian. Yeah. We, you know, but he, no, I know. Yeah. Over your, your first Prime Minister, Macdonald, over, you know, a whole host of Canadians that you could put on that list. Yeah. You know? Alex Trebek. Okay. Yeah, Alex Trebek had a good shot. Um, okay. The rock group April Wine. Oh, that's a fine idea. <laughs> Did they make a list? I don't think April Wine made, made a list. Wayne Gretzky came pretty high up. Um, okay, I really so, do appreciate this. I really appreciate you making time. Thank you, man. And Thanks so much. Thank you. I'm probably not supposed to do this, but here's me. Oh, are you giving this to me? Yes, please. Uh, if you... Oh, man, thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you very much. Thank you. I love the title. Thanks. Thanks again for checking out Scanna during the Corona Apocalypse. Scanna is produced in Saanich, BC, traditional territories of the Wasanich, Songhees, and Esquimalt peoples. If you like the podcast and want to help us share more stories about orcas, oceans, ethics, and the environment more often, please join Scanna's pod at patreon.com. If you don't like the show, I'm Michael Moore. Sponsors to this episode included Darren Laren Young, Robert Anderson, Nancy Campbell, Simon McNair, 
Joan Watterson, Solomon Siegel, and Yosef Wask. Thank you all. You can also support us at scanna.org with one-time donations through ko-fi.com. Please subscribe to the podcast and our newsletter so you don't miss upcoming episodes with guests like Isabel Grock on sea otters, Linda Richards on elephant seals, renowned fisheries expert Daniel Polly on shifting baselines and fish everywhere, and primatologist, the guy who wrote Mama's Last Hug, Franz DeWall. Please check out our show notes at scanna.org and our Scanna magazine on Medium. Follow us on social media and share the show with your friends. Hey, share this with everyone. Five-star reviews on your favorite podcast provider are always appreciated. Scanna is produced by the always awesome Rain Banu, our epic associate producer and audio engineer, Isabella Almashi, thanks to web wizard Katie Brown and social media whiz Liz Flick Bellis. We've also had all sorts of help behind the scenes from Maeve Milligan, Chantelle Heward, and Brian Murphy. Scanna's theme, Scanna, is by Lee Abramson. I thought we'd end off this episode with a song by Ontario's Miss Emily that seemed to really capture the capitalism vibe. This is Land of Greed. I'm not afraid to know.